And then as I'm working my way through the words, I, I need to read the words. I need to pay attention to them and I need to address them in the, in the one-on-one. But I really do need to move past them and to think about, okay, what does this really mean? I need to find the thing that they really want to talk about. Hi, my name is Chris Zaug, and welcome to Let's Talk Teams, a podcast by Uptick, the one-on-one meeting software that helps managers and their teams get on the same page. But, But really more than that, actually having better conversations with one another, not just talking about projects and status updates and all the stuff you can do via email. It digs into the nitty gritty things, how work is going and how your team members work best, the conversations you never really get to have. Today, I'm going to be flying solo again, talking a little bit about our one-on-ones and how they work for me personally. You know, all too often, one-on-ones are sort of a perfunctory exercise. You know, I was told to do these or the best practice police say this is what I should do, but, but they're not really very helpful. And just doing them is often not the answer. Now, you've heard it said that practice makes perfect, but uh, for my whole life, basically, I've been a musician and I can tell you this. Practice doesn't make perfect. Only perfect practice makes perfect. So if you continue to have stale, status update-oriented one-on-ones with your team, they'll hate them, and eventually you'll hate them. And that'll kind of bring this you know, Pavlovian reaction to having a one-on-one. Oh, here we go again. It's something that takes up time on my calendar, doesn't really help me be more productive, doesn't develop a relationship. It's just something to do. And once you kind of get into that state, then nobody is benefiting from having these one-on-ones. So I started thinking about successful one-on-ones. I thought, okay, as a manager, what do they feel like for me? And then I tried to put myself in the place of my teammates, the the people that I work with. And I thought, how do they feel for them? I tried to think back on my own personal experience with uh, doing one-on-ones with my managers and what that meant. And there was a few things that I noticed right off the bat. First of all, um, I've had a lot of one-on-ones in my day where I literally filled out a form um, of some sort with some questions on it. And we just literally went right down the form and we addressed each of one of these issues. And while there were times when it was helpful because we did talk about some things that were important, I generally left those meetings feeling unsatisfied. I felt like, well, okay, we, we talked about these issues, but are they the words that I wrote that are important or is it the meaning behind the words that were really important? Because sometimes um, I would say something like, well, I'm struggling with this particular issue this week. But the issue is not that I'm struggling with that particular issue. Perhaps I don't have the vision for all of it. Perhaps I don't understand the big picture and the why and how I fit into that. And uh, my managers at different times, some of them were fantastic and they were intuitive enough to say, yeah, uh, let's talk about the real issue here. Like, how are you doing with what we're doing? How are you doing with your part in it? Um, is that why you're struggling? But others, literally, uh, particularly some young managers that I had early in my career, they would read the words and they would kind of parrot them back to me. Okay, so I see you're struggling. Um, what can we do to help you stop struggling? <laughs> and it really didn't get to the the root issue. You know, it's kind of like you know, I have a I have a gaping wound on my arm from a gigantic cut that I have, and somebody says, "Well, okay, let's put a bandaid on it so we don't see the blood." Okay, well, you don't see the blood anymore, but you still have the wound and it's still a problem. And that was kind of the way it was for me. So I started thinking, okay, what is it that makes a successful one-on-one for me as a manager? Well, of course, because my job is to serve my team and I want to support them in every way I can, the most satisfying feeling I have is if I feel like we've addressed the real issues and this person can move ahead at a faster pace than they would have before we had our meeting. 
faster, more effective, you know, whatever, insert adjective there. Um, so the very first thing I thought of was, okay, I need to actually ask my team, actually plead with them to get their one-on-ones to me early. Because if I don't get a chance to see their one and think about it and apply whatever insight I have to what they're writing, it is just going to be reading the words and going down the list. But if I'm able to look at the one-on-one, spend a little time thinking about it, ask myself questions in the context of our entire business, and then begin to say, okay, this is what they're saying, but this is what they really mean. Let me give you an example. Uh, years ago, I was asked, uh, I'm a musician, as I said before, and I was asked to lead music at this big conference. And the particular leader of the conference said, this is exactly what I want. So as I was talking with my liaison about it, I said, well, do I give them exactly what they want or do I give them what they really want? And the person said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, exactly what they want means this. But what I think they really want is this sort of tenor, this sort of vibe in the, in the, in the conference. And she said, you know, give him what he really wants. And so I did. I didn't give him exactly what he said he wanted. I gave him what he really wanted. And I think as a manager, there are times you really need to sit back and think, okay, they're saying this, but is that what they really mean? Now, that doesn't mean as a manager, you have carte blanche to go in and say, well, I think I know what they mean, and therefore I'm going to approach it this way. But it gives you some context to ask deeper questions. So if somebody says, uh, as I said before, I'm really struggling with, uh, this uh, making phone calls to these sales contacts. I'm supposed to make 30 phone calls a week. I'm having trouble doing that. Okay, so if you're just going to look at the words, you say, all right, well, just pick up the phone 30 times and dial it. I mean, that's all you have to do to make that that goal happen. But a deeper question might be, so, so tell me a little bit about how you uh, approach these phone calls. What are the things that you're asking? When you get on there, are you confident about the things that you're going to share? And you get into those deeper conversations. You might find out that they're not, they're improperly trained. You may find out that their messaging isn't exactly helpful and they don't, maybe they don't even believe it. And those are the kinds of things that you can do in a one-on-one where you get past those words into the deeper, deeper meeting. So I have uh, nine or 10, I should probably count, uh, people that report to me directly. And oftentimes when I have one-on-ones, I'm doing one when somebody else's one-on-one comes in. If that happens, I need to put off my one-on-ones a little bit and say, look, I want a chance to really look at what you're writing here. Again, to apply insight to that. And then as I'm working my way through the words, I, I need to read the words, I need to pay attention to them, and I need to address them in the in the one-on-one, but I really do need to move past them and to think about, okay, what does this really mean? I need to find the thing that they really want to talk about. So as an example, in almost all of my one-on-ones, before I get to them, I actually read through the uptick update. I read through the entire thing, and uh, there's usually somewhere between six and eight questions that are a part of that one-on-one. And I I think about, okay, what's what's the thing they really are saying here? And I might pick out one or two things out of the whole one-on-one that we're going to discuss because those are, it's clear to me after I've taken some time, thought about the meeting and applied some insight that this is really where they want to go. Uh, They don't necessarily need to talk about every single priority for the next week. They don't even necessarily need to chat about every goal in every one-on-one. But there's usually an overarching theme that I read about 
that when I address that, I find that my team members open up. I'm able to ask more questions. I'm able to understand things. And at times there are um, there, there are times when I'm really like, wow, I, I, I never would have thought of it that way. So I'm learning too in that process by looking for the meaning and asking deeper questions. You know, we all know people who uh, who kind of need to talk. And years ago, I had somebody who worked with me who was really great at her job. She did a fantastic job. But uh, every time we had a one-on-one, it was a pretty lengthy meeting. And early in our, my time working with her, I tried to truncate those meetings. I tried to, you know, okay, I get it. I get it. No problem. Uh, and we'll move on. And it didn't really work well because those issues kept coming up. Her happiness factor went down significantly. And I recognized that there was a deeper issue here. So I thought, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I went into the one-on-one and I thought, I am going to squeeze the sponge completely dry. I'm going to ask every question. I'm going to let her say whatever she wants to say for as long as she wants to say it. And so I did. I went in and it was a long meeting. It was over an hour. Um, and, and it was, and, and there was a lot of complaining in there. There were a lot of, uh, there was a lot of time when she was feeling, uh, the angst of her, of her role. Um, she, she blamed others from time to time. It was, it was a difficult meeting, but at the end of it, I, I, and I kept saying, okay, is there anything else you want to chat about? Are there other things that you, that you want to see changed after I got through all of that? Then I found that I had the the platform to share some of my insight, not you know completely prescriptive, but basically saying, okay, here's the deal. Um, I've heard what you said, and boy, there are some issues in there that we need to tackle. And I want to look at how we can tackle some of these issues. But here are some of the concerns I have, and can we chat about those a little bit? And because I had given her the opportunity to say everything that was in her head and heart, she gave me the opportunity to do the same. And I think sometimes we're so quick to want people to understand us that we forget the most important thing. Let's seek to understand before we look to be understood. Because if we seek to understand, it may actually give us more uh, context for the very things that we came into the meeting thinking we needed that needed to be addressed. Perhaps they don't need to be addressed because once I seek to understand, first of all, I'm giving that person signals that I care about what they say, it matters what they say, I'm gonna make changes based on what they say, but also it gives me context for my own understanding and perhaps even change my mind about what actions I need to take um, in the future. So that's been a lesson that I've learned, unfortunately, all too often the hard way, but again, as I let people share their story and seek to understand, um, I, I tend to move much, much more quickly forward with my team. So for many of you, you know, Let's Talk Teams is, is a podcast that you're just listening to. For some of you, you're also using our product, which is Uptick. And I want to talk a little bit about the, the starter questions that we have put into Uptick and why we put them there initially. Now, let me first of all say that um, these starter questions are, again, they're meant to help find the meaning and not just get the words. So that's why we did what we did. And I would not suggest that you use these starter questions and then use them forever because people are different, people change, information changes, the context of the relationship changes, and it's really important that you change along with it. Plus, questions just get stale and old. You ask the same question every week and eventually it just becomes like Charlie Brown's teacher, wah, 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 right? So, but here's some questions that we ask that help us determine the meaning behind how someone's doing in their role. First of all, we ask a question about a productive streak. When was the time you were on a really productive streak 
in the last couple of weeks. Now, this gives an idea for me of where this person is gifted, where they feel um, that they're, the wind is in their sails. They can, they can uh, you know, exponentially leverage their gifts and their abilities. And that's where they feel accomplished. So it could be different things. You know, um, you know my wife and I are, are interesting. We like to ride bikes together. But when she rides bikes, she likes the invigorating exercise. And I just like to kind of easily pedal around the lake. And, and uh, I don't like any toil or misery in my bike riding. I don't really care about getting in shape. I just kind of want to be outside in the wind. We're really, really different. People are really different about how they're going to approach this stuff. So as you ask a question about a productive streak, you may get really different answers. So as an example, in our own company, we have someone who loves collaboration. That's where they feel like they're being productive. That's where they're feeling like they're most uh, leveraged because they're relational. And they tend to play well off of other people's ideas and thoughts. Whereas I have other people on my team who love being alone. When do I feel most productive? When I'm sitting in a coffee shop by myself, heads down, doing the work. Well, that gives you an idea of kind of where they like to be and how they like to work. Now, in, in each of those cases, then, as a manager, I need to find ways to give them more of what they, what they like. Now, that doesn't mean carte blanche. Um, the coffee shop guy, I would want him to be more connected than he would, than he would necessarily want to be or need to be. But, but you know, it's, it's, it's important for me, though, to give him some of that time where he really feels like he can plow through the work and get it done efficiently and effectively in a way that he doesn't when he's around other people. Same is true of the person who needs a relationship. How do I find ways for them to collaborate so that life-giving relationship helps move them forward in their productivity? So that's one question I ask. You know, when, when was the last time you were on a good productive streak? And how do you, you know, how do you like to work? Another thing I ask, uh, particularly recently I've asked it a lot, is how challenged are you? My own version of, of what challenges me is completely different than a lot of my teammates. Some of my teammates love the pressure. They love the pressure of a deadline. They love the pressure of, of uh, lots of things on their plate. Other people want to work at one thing at a time. They want to complete it. They'd like to do it in a relatively placid environment without the pressure of, of dates and things that feel a little bit artificial to them. It's important to know what that is. It's important to know... Um, if people are feeling like their their work is is you know taxing in a good way, in other words, they're they're firing on all cylinders, they're working really quickly, they're working well, or if they're feeling really under challenged, because an under challenged employee is going to eventually look for some other place where they're going to be challenged if that's something that's important to them. So that's a question I love asking. Another thing I like to do, and I'm not really good at this, um, is I like to find ways to celebrate with people. Uh, so we ask a question about what are you proud of accomplishing? And it's really important to listen carefully to their answer because what they're telling you is what they like to do. So for me, if somebody says, uh, what are you proud of accomplishing this week? I love to accomplish deliverables. Now, as a leader, I don't always get to do that. A lot of times I'm in conversations helping other people accomplish their stuff. But the truth is, occasionally, I just like to do something from beginning to end and complete it and look back and say, you know, wipe my hands and say, job well done, that's great. So if I were my boss, I'd probably say, well, uh, as a manager, really most of your time is going to be used um, really helping other people become productive and reach the goals of the team. But let's find you uh, 
a project that you can do that you can dig your teeth into that would be fun for you and would give you the opportunity to to kind of work out your Jones for for completion. And uh, and that would be an important thing to do. Uh, some of my teammates they love working on one project from beginning to end. They want the whole thing. They don't really want necessarily to work with someone else in terms of a dependency situation. They're happy to collaborate with ideas, but when it comes to really getting into the work, they want to do the work beginning to end. Other people, they're like, no, you know what? I'm happy to get about 80% of the work done, and then I'll just hand it off to somebody else who really likes this, uh, this detail work at the very end. I totally get that. I'm a furniture builder. I love building the entire structure of the furniture, gluing it together, getting it ready to go. What I hate is finishing it. I hate the detailed sanding. I hate the making sure that all the lines are perfect. I hate making sure that the stain is even. I hate all of that stuff. And so for me, if I could just build the structure and then hand it off to somebody who'd finish, that'd be great. Some people are like that. Some people are, no, I want it all the way through. I want all of the responsibility. It's really important that you know your team and you know what they care about. And asking that question about what they're proud of accomplishing is one way you can do that. And uh, and then, you know, the other thing is you get into that, follow up with questions like, well, what specifically about that was it that you really liked? Was it the team? Was it interesting work? Was it the atmosphere? Was it the freedom? Uh, you know, make sure you're learning as a manager all the time. You're asking the deep questions and you're learning about what motivates your team. It is super important. You also might find out that, you know, as you ask deeper questions about uh, what they're proud of accomplishing or or how they're challenged or when they're on productive streak, you also might find out where they're not. So one of the questions we ask is, you know, what is what's the thing that's difficult for you? What's been, what have you been struggling with? And what, where, where were you stuck? Where were you stuck? Um, and why? Was it unresponsive teammates? Was it the wrong tools? Was you didn't have enough budget? Did you need more training? Is it a distracting work environment? Ask those deeper questions. And if those the answers continually come up in the same kind of realm, then you need to ask the question, do they need to change? Is this the right fit? What are the kinds of things that they need to succeed and to help your company meet the goals and the, the expectations that you have for success? It is really an important piece. So ask these questions have people write them down. Make sure that you have the opportunity to review them and apply your insight to them so you really understand. And remember, you're looking for the meaning, not just the words. I mean, status updates, they're for email, okay? You can do that anytime you want. You can put together a Google form or an email, say, hey, tell me what the status of your project is. But insight, collaboration, personal and professional development and a building a relationship of trust, well, that's what your one-on-ones are for. So, hey, thanks again for tuning in to Let's Talk Teams. If you have any other questions, we'd love to talk with you. So you can hit us up on Twitter at Uptick App. And you can also message me personally at Chris Zaug on Twitter. And if you want to make your one-on-ones better with your team or with your manager, check out Uptick by visiting UptickApp.com. <laughs>